day, and it's time for another edition of Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining. This week, after eight years leading Detroit's police department, Chief James Craig announced that he is going to retire. The news comes as reports spread that he's seriously considering a run for governor next year against Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Craig has now confirmed what many of us have assumed for a while now, that he's a Republican, a conservative Republican. His many appearances on right-wing television have really bolstered his profile among conservatives in recent years. But what kind of candidate would he be in a Republican primary for governor? And a real reminder to folks who are talking about this, he would have to win a primary inside the party before he would be allowed to challenge Governor Gretchen Whitmer in the general election next year. But if he were to win that primary, how would he stack up against this Democratic incumbent who has defined herself by her response to the coronavirus pandemic and to things like auto insurance and the things that we used to talk about before the pandemic made us all pay attention to it for the last year. Here to talk about what this would look like and how it might play out in a political context are two of our favorite political watchers here in Michigan. John Selleck is president and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. He has worked for Attorneys General Mike Cox and Bill Schuette, also for Governor Engler and in the Michigan legislature. John, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Now when I go on other shows, they can read that whole long list of my jobs <laughs> and add you to it as well. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also with us is Adrian Hemond. He is a Democratic political consultant and partner and CEO of Grassroots Midwest, which is a bipartisan grassroots advocacy firm. Adrian, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm still searching for my first real job. That's why I'm in politics. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I want to start with each of your reactions to the very idea that James Craig, who, as I said, has been the police chief here in Detroit for eight years, might run for governor. Uh, Adrian, I'll start with you. So uh, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days now, and... um, this, this reminds me of nothing so much as um, the Sarah Palin vice presidential nomination. It's kind of a desperation throw, right? Um, it's kind of like if Sarah Palin was a cop. There's not really a whole lot of reason for this candidacy, um, and I know we're going to talk about a little bit of that later, um, but the Republicans need to shake this race up somehow. All of their sort of potential marquee candidates have passed on this race, Candace Miller, Fred Upton, John James, et cetera, et cetera. They need somebody to run. Um, but, you know, much like uh, former Governor Palin, he doesn't have a lot of name ID um, outside the city of Detroit, certainly outside of Wayne County. And um, it, it just it kind of reeks of desperation from my view. Wow. Um, so, John, uh, you're a Republican and have worked in Republican politics for a long time. Are things as desperate on that side of the aisle as, as Adrian says they are and as James Craig a sign of that desperation? I don't know if Adrian's making me talk about Sarah Palin at 9, 10 a.m. You'll never be able to get past that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, you know, as a, 
outside observer watching what's going on, um, it's hard to admit it's anything but a but a shock. Um, maybe I'm naive, and maybe a whole bunch of us weren't really paying attention because um, after the initial shockwave came out last Friday, you know, you take a quick look on your YouTube page and search James Craig, and you see a whole bunch of Fox videos, and he's been very blunt and very outspoken about where he's heading on taking on Representative Tlaib and talking about his time in LA and Maxine Waters. So, you know, he clearly has his mind uh, into it. Um, you know, in Nancy's column over the weekend, you know, she said, who exactly are the A-listers? And the Republicans right now are kind of in the same boat the Democrats were for a couple election cycles in a row. It's why the Democrats ended up with Virg Bernero uh, as a nominee. It's why they ended up with Mark Schauer as a nominee. Um, the way things are going with these wave elections, we get a bunch of Republicans in the statewide offices, and then there's a bench to run for other things, like last time in 18. Uh, or you go through a wave election, you don't have anybody on your bench, and then suddenly the pickings are pretty slim. Uh, and there's no doubt that the Republicans were still waiting and trying to find uh, their candidate. They still are, technically. And I think you saw a boomlet of excitement. I'm not sure this information came out in the right way that's best for either James Craig or for the Republicans. But this boomlet of excitement is because a lot of Republicans are watching Governor Whitmer, and it's hard to argue that she's not having a tough stretch right now to mm -hmm. be you know, polite, right? Um, a lot of things that she didn't cause, she didn't create COVID. Uh, her reactions are her choices, but you know she didn't cause and create COVID. Um, but then she's also creating some problems for herself with the, you know, the way she handled the hush payments and the way she talked about them and currently the, the flight to Florida and how she just refuses to just put that thing to bed, just rip off the bandaid and say what it is. It's like PR 101. Um, she's not doing those things. So the Republicans are really excited to finally get or they want to get a quarterback on the field. They want to get somebody on the field. And at this point, apparently James Craig fits the bill. So uh, I, I want to talk just a little about... Um... Uh, about the, the the ways in which a black Republican candidate like James Craig might play a little havoc in the way that we handicap elections uh, in this state. Uh, and, and I want to say up front, look, uh, the Republican Party deserves credit for the way in which it has uh, run black candidates for statewide office. John James ran twice for Senate and there's a, I think there's a thought, at least initially, when these things happen or when they're announced, that there's a play there for black votes or at least a play to stop so many black votes from going to uh, the Democratic candidate. Uh, it, it seems to me that, that James Craig is, is an even better iteration of that, perhaps, than John James was, uh, the, the, the kind of law and order uh, demeanor that he has, uh, the, the, the bluntness, the sort of toughness. Those things, I think, uh, for, for, for Republicans are really attractive in African-American candidates. But, but I, but I want to talk about uh, race as it would play out in the, the election sort of more generally, I guess, if, if James Craig were the Republican nominee what what would that change or what do what would republicans i guess hope that would change about the way people about the way people vote adrian you know I, i'm not sure that it does i mean you you brought up the name of john james and i i think that's fair 
John James is a better candidate than James Craig. Um, he's more polished. He's got more experience raising money. He's got connections in the business community, even when he didn't have a lot of experience raising money. Um, he also had a certain amount of name ID because he was able to buy it because of the money. James Craig doesn't have any of those things. Um, I think the, you know, the law and order messaging, there's absolutely something to that, um, you know, and that could potentially play. Part of the problem that he's got, of course, is that, um, you know, the, the boomlet that John referenced, we haven't even gotten into James Craig's actual record. Um, if he wants to run as a law and order candidate, he's going to have to talk about some of the things that have happened at the Detroit Police Department under his tenure. Mm -hmm. The crime statistics do not look good over the course of his tenure. Um, there's the whole issue that he um, that he admitted to, right, um, with the uh, the narcotics unit and having to raid his own narcotics unit. Um, so I think that you're correct that he's going to try and run as a law and order candidate. Um, but um, there really hasn't been time for the bloom to come off of that rose. There hasn't been any scrutiny of his record yet. I don't think that that's going to serve him all that well. Hmm. Uh, John, does a black Republican like James Craig uh, change the calculus in, in any way? And is that the hope for the Republican Party if it, you know, if it nominates him for, for this run? Well, look, there's no doubt. I, I think it's an exciting prospect if it does happen. You know, in my lifetime, uh, just as a person here in Michigan and as a Republican, you know, not in my adult time, other than John James, have we had an African-American at the top of the ticket for the Republicans in a meaningful way. Um, you know, um, Bill Lucas was before my time. Um, I was a young teenager from Lansing, so that didn't register. I know the history, but um, you know, I've been was very excited to see John James do so well, and he's really the the modern trailblazer on that front. And he showed in the end what that means in the race. And <laughs> I mean, I guess to be honest, the the numbers are what tell the story, and it doesn't mean a whole lot as far as changing votes in a place like um, in Detroit amongst Detroit voters or Flint or, or other uh, places. Um, and I'm not so sure. I mean, any Republican that starts off their talking points by saying that James Craig will change the the makeup of the voting universe, um, you know, you got to question that mm. that that right from the start because there's no evidence that that's the case. Now, maybe some polling will come out and show somehow that James Craig is different. I could see logically that because of his job and how he's um, been in the city day in and day out on television in the community. Um, that there could be a difference there. But, you know, I'll also say um, for as much as, you know, your question might be the focus on Republicans and how they view African-American candidates, I'll say what I've noticed since this leaked out, honestly, just from a dispassionate view, is that all my Democrat friends are have been shared the talking points. The Democrats here in Lansing didn't wait a second to start attacking James Craig. And my my buddy here, Adrian, is no different. He has the whole list right in front of him, but every foible <laughs> that we did mention about James Craig already. So um, it doesn't make Democrats super comfortable. And that's, that's maybe almost the more fascinating angle that I see out of this uh, starting to develop. Hmm. I'm talking with John Selleck and Adrian Hemund. They are both political consultants. John's a Republican. Adrian is a Democrat. Uh, we're talking about James Craig, the police chief here in Detroit, who announced this week that he is going to retire and has said that he's interested, at least, in the idea of making a run for governor next year in the Republican primary. And if he were successful there, then it would be against Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who will stand for re-election uh, next year. Uh, we'd love to have you join the conversation. Uh, if uh, if you'd like, give us a call and tell us what you think 
of the idea of James Craig running for governor as a Republican next year. He says, look, I am a Republican. I am a conservative Republican. A really unusual thing to hear out of the mouth of an African-American man. Do you think James Craig would be a strong candidate for Republicans hoping to oust Governor Whitmer from her seat next year? Um, and give us a sense of what you think James Craig's entry in the race would do in terms of shaking things up. Would it make people who normally vote for Republicans think differently? Would it make people who normally for, vote for Democrats think differently about the race? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation uh, that way. Um, uh, guys, I want to I talk about the big lie, uh, the, the attack by Republicans on the outcome of the, the 2020 presidential election, which I think has become the, 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 the new litmus test, I guess, for, for Republicanism, for conservatism. Uh, I, I think there's this interesting tension that, that – uh, you know, uh, that Republican office holders and, and uh, others are having to, to, to deal with, which is, you know, uh, obviously the election was not stolen. Uh, there was no fraud. There was no cheating. Uh, it, it, it worked the way it was supposed to work. But if you say that in the Republican Party, uh, the consequences right now can be very stern. And, and Liz Cheney, of course, is the latest person to learn about those those consequences. Well, I think. Liz. What's that? That's right. Ask Liz. Yeah, right. Ask Liz Cheney. I mean, she got up and said something that I think is a foregone conclusion and lost her, her leadership post because of it. So what role would that play for James Craig? And how should James Craig play that question uh, to avoid the consequences from, you know, level-headed people? But also be able to hold on to the Republican base, John. This is this is your party, and it is fascinating to watch from the outside. It's almost like watching a, a mansion burn. You can't take your eyes off of it. Um, so, how would this play out for James Craig? Uh, well, you know, he already got asked that question at his retirement press conference. Right. And I don't blame him for wanting to stick to his retirement. Um, but because, like I said earlier, and I'm not so sure this information leaked out in a way that they meant for it to leak out, looking at the way things are going. Um, I mean, if I was just planning to build a building PR strategy to get a lot of attention, um, having a giant bunch of gossip and then go quiet for two months wasn't the way I would do it. So I'm not sure that somebody um, did him any favors with this. With this. Um, but clearly, you know, if his organizing principle is going to be leadership, um, that's clear in everything that he talks about. And that's his strength, really, right? His style sells. He's authentic. He's unafraid to speak up. He's blunt. He um, is not afraid to stand up for good police officers. He's not afraid to say bad ones need to be shown the door. Um, that's that's his strength. And that's something that's truly appreciated at least on the Republican side of the ticket, if not with a lot of even voters in the middle who are frustrated with politician, you know, mealy mouth talk. And he can certainly um, put up a pretty good um, comparison to the governor who won't answer questions about her own personal behavior, like flying to Florida and all that good stuff. So there's some ready-made stuff there. But the flip side is, you know, uh, leadership as an organizing principle in a campaign that is going to be going on for the next 
year and a half, that's going to wear thin. So like you're saying, he's going to have to talk about a whole bunch of different things across the gamut, a whole bunch of policy stuff that nobody knows anything about yet. Um, they don't know what his positions are on education funding um, for Detroit uh, or the rest of the state. They don't know his positions on taxes and a whole bunch of other things, right? Um, they only know where he stands on law enforcement and what his feelings are about Representative Tlaib. That's really clear. Mm. Um, so he is going to have to answer the question about the big lie. And we already know that the standard way for Republicans to handle that, who are just trying to wait Trump out um, and hope he gets exhausted, is to say, well, I'm okay if there are some laws that are set up to ensure that we have integrity at the ballot and, and not call it the big lie and say they can say both at the same time. That's what I suspect he'll have to do. Um, he will be talking, walking a tightrope, obviously, because um, while I don't personally see right now the ability to gain a bunch of extra votes out of Detroit as a Republican, um, that's still his city. And those, you know, are his people that he's been representing. He's going to, I might suspect he's going to um, be very careful on that. Hmm. Uh, Adrian, it seems, I think, from some uh, points of view that this could be you know the 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 cudgel that uh, Democrats use to 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 get after James Craig if he won't answer it or if he does answer it uh, and and takes the side of uh, the, the the folks inside the Republican Party who are who are questioning uh, uh, the election. I, I mean, I, it, this does seem like uh, issue A at least at least right now. Yeah, James Craig has a real Hobson's choice in front of him as far as the former president is concerned. His problem's actually worse in this regard than a lot of other Republicans because he's the police chief in the city of Detroit. The former president is essentially alleging that the crime of the century happened in the last election. Mm -hmm. One of the places that he has zeroed in on is the city of Detroit. If James Craig says anything other than that the president is correct about this, the president's going to endorse somebody else. We've seen that behavior over and over and over again. And he was the chief law enforcement official in the city where the president has alleged that part of the crime of the century was carried out. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that we're I think we make a mistake if we look past the primary here. James Craig's going to take a lot of damage on this issue in the Republican primary before he even potentially makes it out to face the governor. Hmm. I don't know. I, would, I guess I would say maybe it's similar to what Adrian's trying to say, but what I've told others, there is no like trick candidacy here. Um, if James Craig is going to be the GOP nominee, he has to run a Republican campaign in the current Republican environment to do so. Um, so the only difference to that is he's not tied to anything right now. And his MO is to speak his mind and to not be afraid um, to do things. And so that may be the wrinkle where we see a difference in a James Craig compared to maybe a typical person trying to run and win the nomination. But overall, he's still running to win the GOP nomination. So yes, he's going to have to fully address these things and he's not going to be able to be completely on the other side of the fence from President Trump and, and his supporters. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about Detroit Police Chief James Craig and whether he might run for governor next year. We want to get to your calls and comments as well. John and Jefferson Chalmers, Sean and River Rouge, Bernadette and Old Redford. We'll hear from you next. We also have a number of comments on social media. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. You can go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there. And we'll read those into the conversation as well. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
Your city. Your town. Your voice. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are John Selleck and Adrian Heman. They are both political consultants with long track records here in the state of Michigan. John is a Republican. Adrian is a Democrat. We're talking about James Craig, the police chief here in Detroit, who said this week that he is going to retire and may very well try to challenge Governor Gretchen Whitmer next year uh, for governor. Uh, we want to hear from you, what you think about that. What do you think about the idea of James Craig running? What do you think about the idea of James Craig running as a Republican, which is how he said he would run if he decides uh, to do it? Does that change the calculus for next year's uh, gubernatorial election here? Uh, and if uh, if you're someone who is really excited about the idea of uh, of James Craig running. We'd love to hear from you as well, right? Uh, is this something that really clarifies uh, the choices that'll be in front of us on the ballot next year? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. 313-577-1019. You can go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with Sean in River Rouge. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted to say two things. First, um, as a black man in the Metro Detroit area, I don't trust James Craig running on a conservative ticket. It just reeks of um, distrust. I didn't like the way he uh, interacted with media during a, uh, pro- when he was a police chief, and I don't think he'll do a, a better job as governor. But also, I feel like his nomination is a ploy from the Republican Party to try to, to try to get fillers out to see what type of candidate may bring in a certain type of voter and persuade your vote. Um, so I do believe this whole idea is uh, just his way of getting some money from the Republican Party. Huh. Well, that's an interesting perspective. John, uh, react to what Sean's talking about here. Well, we're we're about to hear a whole lot more about James Craig and what people's feelings are about him in the city. Um, clearly, already some of the stories written in Detroit, that's sort of like the phase two after the initial excitement part of it comes out as well. You know, what is his standing? And I think a lot of it starts with that idea that um, somehow that James Craig is going to pull a massive amount more votes out of Detroit. And so I don't really think that's going to be the case. Um, so this whole thing doesn't make as much sense to me. But nonetheless, um, the news is going to want to find out and explain where the media is about who James Craig is and what people feel and about him and what's gone well and what hasn't gone well. You know, Mayor Duggan has said he's the best chief in America. Um, you know, there's a lot of people maybe in the suburbs who watch TV every night who see James Craig on TV showing up at all the difficult scenes and being a very good communicator and they may have good feelings about him, but you know what goes on day-to-day life inside the city is going to be more of a mixed bag. Um, and so the the media does should go and talk to people in Detroit, and they should let more put more opinions out there about what it's like to live in the city that he's in charge of. We're going to hear a whole bunch of good, and we're going to hear some bad, but that's part of the that's the, all part of the story. But that is part of James Craig's strength um, in a Republican primary, and what makes the Democrats nervous is. Um, I know they jokingly call them Hollywood. I haven't really seen them that way myself. Um, 
But what I have seen is, you know, you have very, very good police officers and police chiefs who do their job and they're not great. They're not big communicators. And then you have, you know, sometimes some police who are all about the show and maybe they're not the best cops. And what you seem to have in James Craig is both. And, and during my time in the attorney general's office, we did a lot of work with DPD and we did uh, events uh, when there was crisis situations. And my own personal take, not having ever really uh, talked to anyone else about it, sitting through these meetings and watching him work, I, as a political operative, my brain just started working right away thinking this is a person who could run for office. And I personally just had him always pegged as a, a possible candidate to get in for mayor if Mayor Duggan didn't run again or went off in the Biden administration. So this whole maneuver um, has surprised me a little bit, but this is a person who's been on television. His strength is that he's on TV and there's an awareness of him in Southeast Michigan in a way that um, the Republican candidates of late haven't really had. Um, and that that is something, yet another thing that makes the Democrats a little uncomfortable about what, what kind of opposition they might run into with him as the nominee. Hmm. Adrian, you know, I, I John keeps coming back to this idea that Democrats are uncomfortable um, with a James Craig nomination. I actually think that you know, it, if it ends up being James Craig, I think the governor gets reelected. Right? The Republicans need somebody else. Um, you know, John has kind of pointed to this. Um, I do think you know that clearly Chief Craig or former Chief Craig's got some talent in front of the camera. But that being said, this was an absolutely bungled rollout right, of uh, the potential for him running for governor. And that doesn't bode well for a potential campaign here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the um, you know, there's been this sort of drip, drip, drip of, oh, yeah, he's going to run for governor. Well, maybe he's not. His retirement um, press conference, um, the mayor of the city where he's police chief endorsed his opponent at his retirement press conference. <laughs> it's not a great way to, to kick off a campaign. You know, we, we teach a lot of campaign seminars at the firm. I will absolutely be teaching this as an example of how not to roll out your campaign. <laughs> um, if, if this is who the governor is going to face next year, I think that, you know, I think she can feel reasonably comfortable that, that uh, she's going to get reelected. The Republicans need somebody else. Uh, what about this idea? You know, just on that point, there are legitimate concerns when you take somebody who is a, a novice, a first time candidate who has to get through as much as I love talking about the big picture messaging, you know, I'm also a nuts and bolts person. There are, there are so many procedural and organizational steps that have to be taken, especially for somebody that doesn't have a political team that is now going to have to join up with essentially probably what are strangers um, that'll be his political advisors because he hasn't done this before. Now it's worked in Michigan. It worked for Rick uh, Snyder. Um, He was in the same boat when he ran in 2010 and he knocked off um, some really experienced incumbents that were running against him in that primary. So it can work for him, but there's a lot of pitfalls to get ready. And my sense is that he didn't leak out that he was thinking about running. My sense is some people he took, he met with leaked it out and didn't do him any favors. And we see these sort of like, not quite pratfalls, but miscues at the beginning. I've always said that was one of the smartest things that in retrospect that Governor Whitmer did when she became a candidate because she jumped in super early. She jumped in like on January 4th, 2017. Yeah, I remember so, that. Way ahead of time, right? And she had a whole bunch of pitfalls. And Mike Duggan and you know now the infamous Dennis Williams and others were all trying to find someone else um, to run for governor instead of Gretchen Whitmer. And she needed that time to get her feet under her. And and uh, Chief Craig's going to need that time as well. Hmm. Uh, again, uh, thanks very much for the call uh, and the really great comments, Sean. Uh, let's go to uh, Bernadette in Old Redford. Bernadette, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. I wanted to uh, ask this. 
in reference um, that you made earlier to the big lie, the former chief is going to be asked whether he thought the election was stolen from Donald Trump. And my question is, if the election was stolen from Donald Trump, does that invalidate all the other Republicans that ran on that same ticket or were just Trump's votes stolen? Well, you know, Bernadette, there you go, trying to apply logic to things and, and thinking logically through, uh, through these, these uh, questions. Of course, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people have pointed out that, that it would be beyond extraordinary for the presidential results to have been somehow faked and, and everything else wasn't. But, you know, I mean, it is the kind of practicality that I think uh, Democrats could could kind of jump on and and say, look, uh, you know, this is somebody who's got to address this in a way that makes sense. Um, and and I, I, I don't know what what you do unless you're prepared to say there was no fraud. The election was uh, was legitimate and uh, it's time to move on. But the consequences inside the party for that right now are just really, really steep. Uh, Adrian, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. Um, he's got tough questions to answer about this, and he doesn't have good answers that he can give, right? Um, you know, did he vote for the former president? I assume the answer is yes. I also assume that he doesn't want to answer that question looking forward to a general election. Um, what, what's his opinion about um, what happened on the 6th of January? The standard Republican talking points now, certainly from the congressional Republicans, was this was just some people that were out, you know, touring the Capitol. This wasn't an insurrection. Is he going to try and hold that line? Um, does he think that the election was rigged in Detroit? He was certainly he was the chief law enforcement officer in Detroit on Election Day, so he should have an opinion about that. Um, and does he support additional restrictions on people voting? Um, he's going to have to answer all of those questions. Those are litmus test questions in his primary now. So, so John, I'm I'm also curious about what you think about um, how this all gets sorted out in a bigger sense inside the the Republican Party. I mean, we're still, you know, maybe eight, 10 months away from from really uh, thinking about and focusing on the 2022 election. But this need to get past 2020 is just pulling at the 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 legs of, I think, the the Republican Party. And and it doesn't seem like there's an easy way to, to do that. Do you think that at this point next year, when we're in the middle of this election, we'll still be talking about these things. Do you think that this will still be the the the, the pivot point, I guess, for the discussion inside the Republican Party? Uh, well, I think the safest thing to say is what you know right in front of you. And as long as Donald Trump is there and talking and uh, unable to admit that you know he lost the election then yeah, this is still going to be here. I think what congressional Republicans are hoping is that there's so much information bombarding us every minute of every day. Just think like a week ago, uh, we were mostly talking about how did the governor get to Florida. This week, we're suddenly talking about, will the governor seize the profits of Enbridge if they keep pushing oil through the pipeline, right? So they're, 
sorry about that. So they're hoping that that's going to be the case. Um, and that's why they showed Liz Cheney the door. They're like, okay, um, you go over there and make that noise. Uh, we need somebody in here who's not doing that. And for now, we have to assume this will still be an issue all the way through. I also think at the same time that I feel like politics has become like, you know, that whole joke about Michigan weather. If you don't like what we're talking about right now, you know, wait a minute, because <laughs> uh, something else crazy will happen uh, in the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay, uh, John Selleck and Adrian Hemond, always great to have you guys here. Always great to have you here together. So thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have a conversation about swearing. John McWhorter, a linguist and professor, has a new book out about the origins and the history of profane words. We're going to talk about that next. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.